think we all need a pep talk. The world needs you to stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring, but you're gooder than that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a cereal either. Well, it is a cereal. And if life is a game, aren't we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team. Be on my team. This is life, people. You got air coming through your nose. You got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A poem. Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. It hurt, man. Really bad. Rocks, thorns, and glass. My pants broke. Not cool, Robert Frost. But love that really were two paths. I won't be the one that leads to awesome. It's like that dude Journey said. Don't stop believing, unless your dreams stupid. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going, keep going, keep going, and keep going. Will Michael Jordan have quit? Well, he did quit. Well, he retired. Yeah, yes, he retired. But before that, in high school. What if he quit when he didn't make the team? He would never made Space Jam, and I love Space Jam. What will be your Space Jam? What will you create will make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. It's our time. We can make every day better for each other. If we're all on the same team, let's start acting like it. We got work to do. We can cry about it, or we can dance about it. We were made to be awesome. Let's get out there. I don't know everything. I'm just a kid, but I do know this: is everybody's duty to give the world a reason to dance. To get to it. You just been pet talk. Create something that will make the world awesome. Well, thank you. Um, I th it was cute, wasn't it? What's the link? I'll give you the link later and stuff. I think Whitney, unless she already took the kids. Right we're here. Whitney. <laughs> Whitney, if the Break it down. Break it down. Okay. Uh, Miss Whitney right here uh, has the kids, and she'll take them to uh, their children's experience tonight. Um, might want to turn me down just a hair. Um, they're, they're, they've got their own children's experience tonight, and uh, they'll join us later on when we start our music. Um, I'd like to certainly welcome you here tonight. My name is Jeff Brace. I'm on staff here at New Life United Methodist Church, and I occasionally... Uh, get to do this. Um, I'd like to thank Mark. I went back and looked. He's actually preached 26 weeks in a row. So uh, I thank him for his leadership and uh, uh, the, the messages that he's given over the last 26 weeks. That's if you take out the music service for, um, uh, that we had on New Year's Eve um, for that. Uh, 
And then I'd also like to thank everybody that comes early and sets up the chairs and makes the coffee and uh, runs sound and uh, the, um, the words and everything up on the screen, uh, because without those people, it wouldn't be possible for tonight. Um, and one thing we had last week, didn't we have an awesome birthday party? Um, we, you know, we got together, and it was kind of cool to, for uh, Kayla's Sweet 16 birthday party and Ryan, who helps out in our uh, children, uh, with our children. So it was great to have that birthday party last night. Um, our subject tonight was, is um, called Finders 5. And if everybody remembers, last year we spent a lot of time in the Finders 5. And what are the Finders 5? No. Friends, family, uh, the forsaken, the forgotten, and faces in the crowd. There's five groups of people that we're supposed to keep our eye out on, on who needs the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Um, when I started this message, I kind of looked at that, and actually I kind of came to a couple verses, and that's all the message was going to be. But um, things had transpired in the last, uh, last week, so I've kind of expanded it because I read the entire chapter of Luke 14. And if you've got your Bibles read, or with you tonight, um, turn to Luke 14. Um, Luke is one of the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John first four books of the New Testament. Um, Luke is the, the third and the longest of the Gospels. Uh, many believe that Luke was a physician uh, before he became a disciple. Um, he was also well-educated, and he was also the author of Acts. Acts is the fifth chapter of the Bible. So we're going to kind of dig into that tonight. But I started out looking at it, just a few verses of what it talked about. And that video that we just saw um, is a video that uh, has been out about a month. Um, it's done by an organization called Soul Pancake. How many people watch The Office? And they know Dwight. Dwight Rain Wilson has a, a creative company. It's called Soul Pancake. And he actually uh, has distributed these. He didn't do them himself, but he's distributed these videos, and it's, it's called Kid President. So if you go to YouTube and um, look at Kid President, there's about four of them on there. But this one um, is entitled Pep Talk, and um, I just felt, you know, we, we thought this year that we would do, you know, a couple different weeks throughout the year, we would just kind of remind people what the Finders Five are, and... Um, I felt the, the thing about a pep talk was necessary. Uh, so that's kind of why I chose that. But we're going to start in Luke 14. And I'm going to start at the very beginning because this week when I started reading the entire chapter of Luke 14, there's a lot in there that pertains to new life, pertains to evangelism, um, and um, our, lives, um, our lives together. Um, Starts out, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in a home, it's kind of apropos because food's been, become very important around here at New Life. You know, we go to dinner after uh, the service. There's usually uh, people that'll, you know, invite people to go out to dinner afterwards and uh, with birthday parties and everything. So food's become very important. So it, it's kind of cool that the, in this entire um, chapter they talk about food. But one Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal 
in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees. They were watching him closely. This is right before the time that uh, um, Jesus kind of, it was about this time of Lent, you know, before um, they came to arrest him and uh, later on crucify him. And then three days later, he rose again. But they were, um, uh, they were watching him closely. A man suffering from an abnormal swelling of the body was there. Jesus asked the lawyers and the Pharisee, does the law allow healing on the Sabbath or not? Talks about compassion, supersedes the Sabbath. But they said nothing. Jesus took, took hold of the sick man and cured him and then let him go. He said to them, suppose your child or ox fell into a ditch. Some versions talk about their child falling into a well. And on the Sabbath, wouldn't you immediately pull him out? But there was no response. You know, what he's saying is, you know, just because it's Sunday and somebody fell in, um, wouldn't you go, you know, get your own son? You know, just because it was, the Pharisees were the keepers of the law. You know, so they knew the law, you know, better than, you know, the common people. Um, so um, Jesus was kind of testing them to see, you know, if, if, if it was even their own child or their ox their, um, and it had fallen in a ditch, wouldn't you go get them even if it, it was on Sunday or the Sabbath? <laughs> Depends on if they bite. Um, but when Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. So he was at this dinner party, and he saw everybody, and they were kind of scoping out their seat. You know, they, I suppose people wanted to be closer to the food or, you know, whatever. But when someone invites you to a wedding celebration, he told this parable, and it's called the, well, the, the wedding parable, uh, or the great banquet um, parable. Invites you to a wedding celebration. Don't you take your seat in place of honor? Someone more highly, or don't take the seat, you know, of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by the host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, "Give up your seat to the other person." Embarrassed, you will take your seat to the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go sit at the uh, least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, Friends, move up here to a better seat. Then you will be honored in the presence of your fellow guest. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Next part, he talks about, or Jesus teaches the host about self-seeking motives. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, when you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return, and that will be their just reward. Instead, when they give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. Um, when, I, when I looked at this and I really thought about this, we're also talking about the spiritually lame, the spiritually blind, the spiritually, uh, and that's kind of how I take it with, you know, on the evangelism 
portion of it is it's not only the, the people that are actually blind, but it's the people that are spiritually blind, uh, the people that are spiritually lame, the people that are spiritually um, sick um, that we need to look out for. Um, when one of the dinner hosts heard Jesus remark, he said to Jesus, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. Um, one thing about that is just because we're all here doesn't mean we're going to rejoice in God's kingdom. There's still work to be done. You know, just because you show up to a church service, just because you, you know, do certain things doesn't mean that you'll be, you know, um, that you'll rejoice in heaven. He talks about another dinner party. And this is actually the, the, the few verses that I initially talked about because when we talk about the Finders Five and inviting people to, um, to come here or something, don't you get excuses? You know, I'm busy. You know, that's my night to go out to dinner, things like that. So that, that when I read these, kind of look at it because Jesus talked about the same thing. People are going to give you excuses. Jesus replied, a certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. In those days, he would sit there and invite a lot of people months before a dinner because it took a long time. I mean, there was no cars, there was no airplanes and stuff, so a lot of people had to travel a long way off. So they would invite people way in advance so they could put it on their calendar and make sure that they were there. Um, when it was time for the dinner to begin... He sent his servants to tell the invited guests. So right before they had the dinner, he sent a reminder out to all the people. Come, the dinner is now ready. When we talk about the dinner parties and everything, we're talking about what God has invited us for. Um, But it can be refused. First, we make excuses because we are preoccupied with things. In verse 18, one by one, they all began making excuses. The first one told him, I bought a farm and must go to see it. Please excuse me. Secondly, we make excuses because we put, um, we put making a living before God. Another said, I bought five team of oxen and I'm going to check, check on them. Please excuse me. The first two excuses had to do with material possessions. But the third has to do with our affections. Third, we make excuses because we choose to put others before God. Verse 20, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. God's invitation can be, re- re- be refused. But then it, the other part is God is angered by our excuses. 21, when, we, when he returns, the servant reported these excuses to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go quickly to the uh, city streets, the busy ones, and the side streets, and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The servant said, Master, your instructions have been followed, and there is still room. So people weren't listening uh, when, people, when he invited them. But he's not inviting them just to a meal. He's inviting him into God, you know, into a relationship with God. The good news of verse 21 and 23 is that we are all on the guest list. The master said to the servant, Go to the highways, the back alleys, and urge people to come 
so that my house will be filled. That's the good news, that we're all on that guest list. Jesus concludes with one, um, one will be excluded from God's eternal banquet. I tell you, not one of those who had been invited will taste my dinner. He's talking about the ones making the excuses. We all make excuses. You know, we, we all make excuses all the time, but, you know, that's how God um, is angry. The next part is it's hard. Because in, starting in verse 25, he talks about the demands of discipleship. Jesus talks about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, when a, whoever comes to me doesn't hate, or that doesn't hate his father, mother, spouse, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, cannot be my dis- disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, are, are we supposed to actually hate our spouse and our children and our brothers and sisters? That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you love them more than you love me or love God, then we've got a problem. So it, it's not that you're supposed to to hate everybody and just follow God. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is putting things in perspective, um, that you put God first, and through God, you love your wife, you love your children, you love your brothers and sisters. This week, actually this morning, I read, um, I'm doing a book, it's called A Year with C.S. Lewis. And in Mere Christianity, he wrote this, the moment you have put or put yourself or the moment you have a self at all, there is a possibility of putting yourself first, wanting to be the center, wanting to be God. In fact, that was the sin of Satan. That was the sin he taught the human race. The, to me, that spoke about you know when take up your cross or you're supposed to die so you can live. That's what that's talking about. Because a lot of times we put ourselves first, and we try to do things ahead of what we should be doing or of, ahead of what God actually wants us to do. Verse 28, if one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether or not you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will uh, begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or, what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down and considering whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him? And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while the enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all your possessions can be my disciple. When I read that, I see willing, unwilling. You know, that's about putting God first. You know, he's not saying sell everything and follow me. He's saying 
if you're unwilling to do that, can you actually put me first? Can, can you actually follow, you know, the things that I've instructed you to follow? Verse four, or chapter 14 ends when he talks about salt. Um, salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will, how will it become salty again? It has no value, um, neither for the soil nor the manure pile. People throw it away. Whenever my ear, or whoever has ears to hear should pay attention. Salt, salt is used to preserve food. Um, we're supposed to be the salt of the world. We're supposed to be different. We're, we've got to be careful about that, but we have to be different than the ways of the world. And that's what salt is. So we're, we're supposed to rub people the wrong way. What does salt taste like? Just things flavor, right? I got an illustration and hope. You're right. Salt melts snow. Um, what are these? Salt packets, right? Okay, pretend these are all disciples. It's kind of hard to see, right? Those are all disciples, right? Okay, then what happens? The world. Or the manure pile. Can't see the disciples, right? So we got the world. What if we take the salt packet? and sprinkle it on top. Now you can see the disciple. If it actually would work, I could make that all white if I poured enough disciples on top of the world. A lot of times what we try to do is we go to a church service, we go to a concert, we go to everything, we're all fired up, we go out, what happens? The world dumps on us. You know, you have family problems, you have job problems, you have everything else. So what that is, is everything is just like caving down on top of us. And then all of a sudden we can't see ourselves. That's where the salt loses its flavor. But what we're supposed to do is look at the world and see how we can affect the world. And that's pouring the salt on top, where it still has the flavor and it can influence people in the world to help spread the gospel. Originally, when I put this um, message together, and I kind of toyed with taking this story out, but I thought I'd leave it in because it talks about a birthday party. And it, it's, it comes from a guy named Tony Campolo. And Tony Campolo, about four years ago, actually stood in this very spot. Uh, we did a, a conference here, and Tony Campolo was uh, the keynote speaker. How, Tony Campolo is like a sociologist by trade. He's a professor of sociology in Philadelphia. Um, but he's also a Christian author. He's a speaker, public speaker, uh, very dynamic speaker. Um, but and he does a lot of things on social justice. Uh, he's got a book uh, called The Red Letter Christian, 
which takes the red letters of the Bible, which are, is what Jesus says, and actually challenges people to apply those to their life. Uh, but Tony, when he was here, he didn't tell this story, but I've read this story. And he talks about how he was had a flight to go to Honolulu, uh, Hawaii. Um, weather like this, I'd like to be there. But he flew to uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, and when he got there, it was probably midnight. So he gets to the hotel, checks in the hotel, and he was hungry. And, you know, room service was closed, and, the, you know, the um, restaurant at the hotel was closed. So he decided to go out for a walk. And he walks down, you know, the, the street and everything, turns the corner, and he finds this greasy spoon diner, all-night diner. And he walks in. And as soon as he walked in, the big, big guy, you know, that was in the kitchen, the cook, and everybody says, what do you have? You know, and Tony says, well, let, let me sit down. I'll have a cup of coffee. So he sits down, and the waitress, there was one waitress working there, and she comes over, pours him a cup of coffee, and throws this menu at him. And this menu was as greasy as the greasy spoon. You know, so he kind of picked it up by the corner, and he said, eh. Noticed on the corner or counter, there was a, a, one of those cake plates. You know, the cake's on a pedestal, and it's got the glass cover on top. And there was donuts under there. So Tony says, ah, I'll have one of those donuts. So the waitress comes over, brings the donut, uh, and he's sitting there. Well, about half an hour later, he's reading the newspaper. There's this loud noise. And all these people come in, all these women come in um, to this restaurant. And they were dressed rather provocatively. You know, you can imagine at 1 o'clock in the morning in Honolulu, Hawaii, the, you know, if there's a bunch of women that come dressed like that, kind of know maybe what their profession is. Um, but they come in. And they, they made all kinds of noise. And as Tony was sipping and munching on the donut and sipping his coffee, um, they walked in. And they were swearing and they were, you know, saying all kinds of things. So he gulps his coffee and he was planning to make a getaway because it was kind of an uncomfortable situation. You know, Tony being a, he's also a pastor, but, you know, he said, eh, this might not be the most, the best place for me to be right now. Um, but the woman next to him says to her friend, you know what? Tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. To which her friends nastily replied, so what do you want us to do about it? You want us to have a birthday party? You want me to get a cake? You want me to sing happy birthday to you? The first woman said, ah, come on. Why do you, why do you have to be so mean? Why do you have to put me down? I'm just saying it's my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, why should I, you know, why should I have a birthday party? I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. Why should I have one now? Well, when Tony um, heard this, he made a decision. He sat and waited until the women left, and then he asked the fat guy at the counter, do they come in here every night? The guy says, yeah, just like clockwork, same time. 
one right next to him, he said, or the one right next to me, the one who's having the birthday party, does she come in here every night? Yeah, he said, that's Agnes. Yeah, she's, she's here every night. She's been coming here for years. Um, why, why, why do you want to know? Because she said tomorrow's her birthday. What do you think? Do you think, well, maybe we should throw a little birthday party for her right here in the diner? Cute kind of smile crept over the fat man's chubby cheeks. That's great, he said. Yeah, that's great. I like it. He turns to the kitchen and shouts to his wife, Hey, come on out here. The guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow's Agnes's birthday, and he wants to throw a birthday party right here. His wife comes out. That's terrific, she says. You know, Agnes is really nice. She's always trying to help other people, and nobody doesn't do anything nice for her. So they make their plans. Tony says he'll be back at 2.30, the time that they came in, with some decorations. And, and, and the man whose name turns out to be Harry says, and I'll make a cake. And Tony kind of looked at him and said, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to eat that cake, but thanks for the offer. Put a candle in one of the donuts. Um, so it came time the next morning. Tony is back. His cray paper and decorations and a sign made with big pieces of cardboard that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. They decorated the place from one end to the other to get it looking great. Harry had gotten the word out on the street about the party. Just before they walked in, it seemed that every prostitute in Honolulu was at that place. There were hookers wall to wall. <laughs> well, right, right there at... Three o'clock on the dot, the door swings open and in walks Agnes and her friends. Tony has everybody ready, and they all shouted and screamed, Happy birthday, Agnes! Agnes is absolutely flabbergasted. She's stunned. Her mouth falls open. Her knees start to buckle. She almost falls over. And when the birthday cake with all the candles is carried out, that's when she suddenly loses it. Now she's sobbing and crying. Harry, who, who's not used to seeing a prostitute cry gruffly rumbles? Blow out the candles, Agnes. Cut the cake. So she pulls herself together and blows them out. Everyone cheers and yells, cut the cake, Agnes. Cut the cake. But Agnes looks down at the cake and without taking her eyes off of it, slowly and softly says, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if, I mean... I don't, if, I mean, I just wanted to ask if it's all, all right if I keep the cake a little while. It is right, is it all right if we just don't eat it right away? Harry doesn't know what to say, so he shrugs and says, sure, if that's what you want to do with it, keep the cake. Take it home if you want. Oh, could I, she said. Looking at Tony, she says, I've lived just down the street, a couple doors. I want to take the cake home. Is that okay? I'll be right back, honest. She wanted to show her mom. She gets up off the stool and picks up the cake and carries it high in, the, in front of her, just like it was the Holy Grail. 
Everyone watches in stunned silence, and when the door closes behind her, nobody seems to know what to do. They looked at each other, then they looked at Tony. So Tony gets up on the chair and says, What should we do? Let's pray. Let's pray together. And there they were in this hole-in-the-wall greasy spoon, half the prostitutes in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning, listening to Tony Campolo as he prays for Agnes. For her life, her health, her salvation, Tony recalls, I prayed that her her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. When he was finished, Harry leans over, and when a trace of hostility in his voice, he says, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to anyways? One of those moments when you just, the right words come, Tony answers him quietly, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry thinks for a moment and in a mocking way says, No, you don't. There ain't no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. Like I said before, I started tonight with that video that we needed a pep talk. One year and four months ago, we started this journey together as New Life. I've talked with, witnessed, and heard some awesome ministry happening here. Tonight afterwards, a core group of people are going to go go and review those surveys that we did, that we've been doing over uh, for the last uh, month, couple months. Um, And some people call it visioning. Some people call it, you know, coming up with a mission statement. Some people call it with core values. It, it, all that's overrated anyways. But I've had the opportunity to read them. And I tell you what, tears came to my eyes and some of them that I saw. Some awesome stories of what new life means to them and their hopes and dreams for new life in the future. That, my friends, is the party that we're all invited to, to do that. That is the party that we're supposed to tell others about. That is the party that I want to spend the rest of my life being a part of. Now, here's the challenge. Find your awesomeness. Find, find your awesome. And like the kid in the video says, go get it. Amen. I'm going to pray. Um, We're going to move into the third part of our worship service, um, which is our music portion and our praise portion. Uh, I'd like to ask the band to come forward, and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here tonight. Thank you for um, the words that you give Luke um, and hopefully what it means to us, what it means to new life, what it means to us individually, um, that being a disciple's heart. When we look at it, we look at those words on a printed piece of paper and a Bible, and we say, I can't do that. 
but hopefully we can see it in new light of ways that we can do it. The, the story of what happened to Tony Campolo, that we can look at the gospel and spreading the good news like that, just doing something different for somebody else, doing something that somebody normally wouldn't do for someone. Be with the Winter family as they, they grieve the loss of Clay. Be with, be with each one of us as some of us lift prayers up, some of them keep, keep them in our hearts. You know them. We don't have to write it on a card. We don't have to profess it with our lips. But you know our prayers before we even think about what the prayers should be. That's how awesome you are as a God. Be with our time the rest of tonight be that we can praise your name on high. Out of our hearts, out of our minds, out of our lips, out of our... um, that we can do that. Our hands and our feet, put them to work this week as we will look for those opportunities to look for the people that are poor, that are lame, that are helpless, that are hurting and not only physically but spiritually that we can bring that good news that they desperately need in your holy and gracious name Amen